Loneliness is not the lack of affection. Loneliness is the lack of direction. You can be surrounded by people who love you, but you still feel alone. You can be surrounded by people that, that you absolutely have admiration and respect for, but you still feel lonely on the inside. And I'm glad you're here this morning because that to answer that, that if loneliness is not the lack of affection, it's the lack of direction. Maybe that's why you're here today, because God wants to give you a little direction. We all feel like sometimes we're out of place. We all get to the place where we feel like we're wearing two left shoes. I made this statement last week, and I'll make it to you again today. Something happened about a year and a half ago. Something shifted, and I told you it shifted about two years ago in February. I believe that the United States of America, we are in judgment now, and there's nothing you can do to fix it. Okay? There's not a revival that'll turn it around. Once God decrees something, then I will tell you, you you're going to have to buckle up, buttercup. And something's happened. Our nation's gone crazy. Our churches have gone wacko. We got wackos in the pulpit. And don't look at me that way. And once a nation is under judgment, it cannot reverse it. Even though Roe versus Wade is, is, is turned around as far as constitutionally, but people are doing everything they can to kill babies. You cannot continue to kill babies and expect God to bless anything. And so this is all I'm telling you today, that, 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 that in the nicest, kindest way, that the age and the era that we really thought that the United States was, was God's prime target of, and his object of love, listen, we're almost last on the list. We're down there right before you get this paganistic worship. We're not far from it because it's coming from the podiums. If it was coming from the streets, I could buy into it. But when it comes from the pulpit that these things should be legal in the church, we definitely have an insanity problem. And, and if you have a problem with that, just go back and read Romans chapter 1 very slowly to yourself. When they knew God, they did not revere him as God. And God turned them over. And so what I'm telling you this morning is that, that sometimes that we get to a place where nothing makes sense. And we live in a nation, nothing is making sense. Nothing. You can't put your, you can't put your finger on insanity for nothing. Because there's been a spiritual shift in the atmospheres about a year and a half ago. So all I'm telling you is that somewhere within sound teaching of biblical principles, you better find your covering. And I'm not telling you you have to come here because I'm not the only guy that'll teach biblical truth. But I will tell you, I told you about a month ago when, when Jesus said, I am the lamp and he turns the light on. When the light comes on, it exposes a whole lot of stuff. Trust me. That's why we want the light on. We want to see what the real deal is going on. So, so this morning, we've been speaking about the manifold grace of God. The manifold grace of God. 1 Peter 4 and 10 tells us that as believers that we are referred to as stewards of the manifold grace of God. The manifold grace of God 
Some of you say, well, what exactly is that? And I don't know if we had that on scripture. Can we pull that up? We don't. I'm not going to mess with it. It doesn't matter for those that are visiting. And every man that had received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The word polykios is, is a word. Poikilos is a word. I got new teeth. I can't do anything with them. Porkilos is a word for shades and degrees, layers, has everything to do with an arrangement of things, unveiling of things, a variety of things. And we have been discussing to you and with you that God's grace comes more than just your saving grace. We've been talking about prevenient grace from the, from the moment you was conceived in your mother's womb to the day you said, I accept Jesus accepting me. That's called prevenient grace. Pre is in front of, and veni, it means to come. It's the grace of God that comes before your human awareness. He's always watched over you. He's always had his hand on you. In a barroom fight, no bullets found you. The drug overdose should have did you in, did not. The cancer that was supposed to kill you did not. Why? Because God was waiting and watching over you until you made your commitment to Christ. That was, that was grace. So we've been learning about manifold. The word manifold is a word for a variety of things, a variety of ways. So I'm going to give you a little definition before we go any further. In simple terms, Manifold, it, it, it's something that will depict a color that will depict a season. So God has many facets of grace, whether it be provenient, whether it be justifying, whether it be manifold, whether it be sanctifying. There's many ways that God's grace can come to you. Last week, we found out that forgiveness was a means that God can reveal his grace to you. We found out through Ron Edge that when you do not forgive someone, not only do you incarcerate them, but you incarcerate yourself. And as, as we found out last week, that for this purpose, that the Son of Man was made manifest, that he would destroy or unravel the works of the devil. Some of you people have been running around here tied up and bound up because you have not forgiven someone. To forgive someone and to be forgiven is the greatest feeling that you'll ever experience. We've all been hurt. We've all had our feelings hurt. We've all had a pity party, invited the whole world, and we're the only ones showed up. I understand. But when you learn to say, I forgive you. So when we left you last week, here's three classes of forgiveness. Accept God's forgiveness. Number two, forgive someone that's hurt you. And number three, forgive yourself. And if you don't do all three of those, you'll still remain wrapped up, tied up, and in captivity. There's nothing like being free serving Jesus. Manifold is a word that we get for, it can, it can mean different things. It means a variety of ways. But it's kind of like the four seasons. Each season that we know has a color. Matter of fact, in the winter, you would probably choose a color that is either white or gray. In summer times, you will choose a color to describe summer as yellow, tans, and light blue. In fall, we would choose colors such as brown, orange, um, 
golden colors. And for spring, you would probably choose colors that have a variety of the brightest colors. To describe manifold grace of God is to describe the colors or seasons of events in your life. The word poiklos is only used one other time in the Old Testament, and it's found in Genesis 37, and it's in reference to Joseph and his coat of many colors. His mother made him, and it wasn't just an ordinary coat, but it was a special and a beautiful coat that when she sewn in certain pieces of fabric, that it not only depicted, but it also predicted his seasons of life. Now, his mother died at an early age, but this is what I want to say to you when you understand the life of Joseph. The life of Joseph, he had many moods, he had many cycles, and he had many circumstances, but his mother had enough of godly influence in his life to make him a very peculiar coat. And it was made in shades and degrees and spaces of time. She did not set down the sewing machine, which they didn't have, and make it at one time. Friculose is a word that it took her a while. So, knowing what she knew about the life of Joseph, that what God had revealed to her and what he would face, she made him a coat that would not only depict, but it also would predict his seasons in life. So when she took a light blue piece and she sewed it, to, a, to a, a dark red, well, she was saying there's going to be bright days of happiness in your life, but there's going to be days of dark and disappointment. See, each piece was woven together and sewn together, and by the time that she made it completely a coat, not only it was beautiful, but it was prophetic. That at the moment that he didn't understand it, like some of you don't understand the manifold grace of God, you think that God just saves you and that's it. It never has been that just it. You were saved by his grace. You're being saved by his grace. And one day you will be saved by his grace when we leave this earth. So his grace is not just limited being saved and born again. We've been teaching you that his grace has extended way back before the foundation of the earth, before you was even thought of that God said, I wanted you. And the word predestination, it means pro, proizo. It means to circle in advance. And so before the foundation of the earth, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul said, we were in him before the foundations of the earth. God's that big. Some of you thought that, that you just decided to one day give your life to God. That's not the way it works. The question is, what did you have to do and say you being born in this earth? Nothing. Your mother and father had that decision. You were a product of the decision of your mother and father. So what did you have to say about being born again? Nothing. God, by the Holy Spirit, conceived you. In John chapter 1, verse 11, 12, and 13, it was his good pleasure that we become sons of God. So when we begin to understand that it's God's ideal for all alone, then we begin to understand that God, evidently you have a plan and a purpose for my life. We're not just here because on accident, we're here on assignment. So Joseph had a coat of many colors that his wife, excuse me, that his mother put together. And maybe blue represents laughter and happiness. Maybe green represented prosperity and generosity. Crimson represented difficult days and a period of time when he had a heavy heart. <clears throat> 
Well, just like Joseph, the manifold grace of God is placed in our life as we mature in God that it will come to a point where we carry not only the scars of Christ, but we carry the spirit of Christ that people will see us on a daily basis and they'll recognize that there's something different about us. Turn to two people and say, there's something definitely different about you. Periculos is a word to be fully clothed in the life of God. So here we go. Somebody asked me a few years ago, I mean, that's what they said. How did you get so smart? Never went to Bible college, never, never went to seminary. And I said, it's called education through experience. The idea that whatever you're going through right now, you don't have to raise your hand. Maybe some of you are in happy times. Some, some of you, this may be the best time of your life. Hang on to that thought. Some of you right now are in great sorrow and heartache. Hang on to it. Some of you right now that in, 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 in a state of confusion, and hang on to it. What God is doing, that he's taking pieces of your moods and your circumstances and your situations, and this is what he's doing. He's sewing them together. And by the time that God gets through with you, you'll be a thoroughly furnished and equipped son and daughter of God. That wherever you go, that there's something that you're wearing is called a garment of the manifold of grace of God. And someone would meet you on a street corner and they would say, hey, how you doing? And, and you'd ask them, how do they say, well, you wouldn't understand. Well, try me. Well, it's a long story. I got time. I'm used to my preacher. I got time. <laughs> well, this happened and this happened, and all of a sudden, your mind begins to work, and you say, listen, I can tell you from experience, you see this peace in my life? I went through that. It hurt. I told somebody one time when, when Jesus was resurrected, on the first day that he went that evening, to where only 10 apostles were because Judas was down dead and Thomas is, he's AWOL somewhere. Seven days later, he goes back to the same upper room and now 11 of them's there. Judas is not reincarnated. Thomas is back. And he walks through the door because they bolt the door because they're hiding. They're hiding. Because the warrant has already been issued. If we catch you talking about Jesus, or wearing what would Jesus do t-shirt, we're going to do to you what we did to him. So now they're hiding. I'm not making fun of them, because sometimes we all hide at work. Oh, we talk big, and we raise our hands here at work, I mean at church, but when we get to work, when the bad jokes are going on, we just go, well, that's kind of funny, I've heard that. You know, sometimes we're not careful. We kind of hide. Jesus walked through the door, and the Bible said the first thing he did, he disrobed. Now, he still has his Hanes underwear and boxers on, okay? He's still got them going on. But he disrobes. And the reason why he disrobes is this. He turns around. He said, you see that one? That one hurt. You see this one? 
they tore a muscle out when that cat of nine tails went through there. You see that one? The vertebrae were exposed. When he took off his clothes, his, his skin looked like a road map of Houston. Sometimes one of the greatest things you can do is just be honest with people and say, this is where I've been. This is what I've been through. You see that one? Gayla broke my heart when we first got married. She didn't cook me chicken fried steak. It broke my heart, but she's learned. One of the greatest things we can do as believers, the manifold grace of God is this, is that sometimes God will allow us to go through things, not necessarily to test our faith, but to create a fabric in our lives that we will meet people that are going through the same thing that we've been through and that will help them in a way that we could not have helped them if we did not experience ourselves. And Jesus said, you see all these things? You see these marks? It hurt bad. But the good news is, if I come through it, which I did, you're going to come through it. It's called a seasoned spirit man of God. If you watch the cooking channels and that guy, Fiari or whatever his name is, he's like a car, but that he'll go to these places and the hamburger is one that's the same grill since about 1940-something. And they would never think about changing the grill because the grill is seasoned. My wife will tell you, when you get a new cast iron skillet, I don't know what they do. They season it somehow. They throw a squirrel in there. I don't know what they do. But that grill down there, the best food is always cooked on a seasoned grill. Listen to me. You're at your best when you're seasoned. Fresh right out of the box, uh, you're really just confusing things. Get seasoned. I've always said this, when somebody gets saved and, and filled with the Spirit of God, the best thing to do is lock you up in the closet before you say anything stupid. For a year. <laughs> Go to the closet for a year. Don't say anything. Oh, they're excited. Manifold grace of God means a seasoned man or woman of God. And you have the fabric and, and you have the calendar and you have the days that is incorporated and, and you're a fully furnished man or woman of God. And so somebody can look at you and, and, and they can see, hey, I see joy in you and I see empathy in you and I see all these things. It's because you have been seasoned. And this is what I say to you. Don't ever take away my Judas's in my life. I don't need to be surrounded by people that are always complimentary of me. I need to be around people that will betray me because through betrayal is where we really begin to turn our attention towards God. You understand that? If you really want to be seasoned, then you have Judas's sitting near you. Maybe not today. But don't be praying, God, get them out of life. I would never do that. You need... Judas is in your life to bring you to a place where you're seasoned in the spiritual realm. Wow. So God takes us through things, and as Romans 8 says this, things don't happen to us, things happen for us. All things work together for good. 
So once again, an egg by itself and flour by itself and whatever's in biscuits by itself is bitter by itself. But when you mix it all together and put it in the oven, I know, I heard a holy hmm back there. It's all good. There are periods of your life where it's bitter, it's hard, I can't hardly swallow it. I understand. Just let God work the thing and incorporate the thing and let God do what only he can do. And I'll tell you, when he's through work with you, you will be a thoroughly furnished, seasoned spirit, man or woman of God. And you'll thank God for those that betrayed you because you'll be stronger for it. So there's two things this morning very quickly that what would Jesus do? So me being pastor here for about 30-something years and I've lost count, what would Jesus do dealing with two classes of people in the church? Number one, people with problems versus problem people. Now some of you need to know this. Because some of you may be one or both of these at the same time. For the last 30-something years, I've had to weigh out the balances of this. What would Jesus do when dealing with people with problems versus problem people? And they're both present in the churches today. Now, if I'm going to be the seasoned man of God, and if I'm going to be like Joseph... You don't get offended at me. This is why I make all the big bucks here. I'm just telling you. But we have to deal with it. You need to know. Do I just let things run amok loose here? Absolutely not. So if we're going to use the Bible and Jesus as a guide of, of, of being the plumb line of 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 justice and equity that comes through the manifold grace of God, then we're going to look at it this morning. I've always said this to begin with. The word sheep in the Bible is, is, is a word that's it's very misused. But when you understand the word sheep, it, by the Greek definition, is different sizes, shapes, colors, mental faculties, physical handicaps, when you use the word sheep, it's all, it's an array of, of quadrupeds with wool. We're not, none of us here are perfect. There's only one that's perfect. Are we, can we agree on that? Can we agree with the first one that we are all people with problems? Now the second one, we're not going to raise our hand to that one. We're going to stick with the first one. And have you heard me say then in Luke 15 about the lost sheep, the word it, he found it, sapeo. It means a deaf mute. That sheep could not hear or speak. That's why the Lord went and got him. So in Luke 15, when you hear about this lost sheep and he put his on the shoulders, the word it is used, not he or him or personal pronoun. It's it. Sapeo is a deaf mute. It was an animal that could not hear or speak. Now, some lexicon writers even goes as far as could not see. And I'll agree with that. So what we have here, that we have an animal, a quadruped, that belongs to an owner, but for some reason, that because he could not see, hear, or cry out, he got lost. 
Now you understand. And I've always said this, so here's the idea. So Jesus had to go get him, of course. And we have a responsibility to help people with problems. And there's not a one of you that's ever come to this church that had a problem that I did not try to help you with. Not a one of you. Unless you were a Dallas Cowboy fan, there's no hope for that one. So I've used this, I've used this analogy to you dealing with justice and equity of the manifold grace of God. The word grace is haris. It means the superior is rendering to the inferior. The word grace means gifting. God gives us something. When you understand the word grace, you're just you're going back to salvation. Forget salvation. It's a great part. But the word grace, haris, means is the king is supplying everything to the inferior subject to have nothing. It is God giving you what you need to help mankind, not only to reach him, but to reach humanity. That's grace. That's haris. That's giftings. God is empowering you with certain things. Not for the reason of, of you just being a walking battle scar of, of something that God has punished you. God is equipping you with something that you can identify with humanity that they're going through something. God's not punishing you. But it could it so be that God is giving you a certain responsibility and by doing so, the Bible said that Here's Jesus, a man that is acquainted with our grief and sufferings. Wow. Aren't you glad that God just didn't stay in heaven and Jesus didn't stay in heaven and say, good luck on all this. He came to earth, became man, humbled himself, vicariously lived a life without sin, falsely accused, brutally murdered, stayed in the tomb for three days and rose the third day. I'm glad he came. Why did he do this? Because he came because he understood what it was like to suffer in grief and misery, and he wanted us to be free and have a life without that. So let's say Virgil and I go to Burger King if he's buying, which is never going to happen, but he said, hey, I'll buy. And we, we've been in line for a long time, 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, the Sunshine Work Group pulls up. Twelve of them gets out of a van, been picking up trash on the side of the road, and Virgil and I are next in line. Been waiting there a long time. And all of a sudden, twelve of these guys go in front of us. Just cut right in. And Virgil and I, I don't know about him, but I would basically say something like, it's okay. We understand. And we let them go in front of us. But if Virgil and I stand in line for 30 minutes and judge Card and judge somebody else cussed in front of us, we're going to have problems. What happens is dealing with sheep where we are in the church, you, we are dealing with people with problems. We all have problems. Can we agree to that? We've all had problems. Am I speaking to a perfect, am I at the right church? I think I am. Yeah, I am. I know, I know all the problem people are gone. Thank you, God, you're here. But. So, scripturally, what do we do with people with problems is found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. 
brethren. The Greek word for Adelphus means a woman's uterus. It means that we are born of the same womb. It means we are born again. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, you that are spiritual, restore it, such as one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest they also be tempted. And the next verse says, so that you fulfill the law of Christ. That's what Jesus would do. Go back to the verse. And let me explain this to you. First of all, we're dealing with people in the church that have problems. Brethren. Brethren. If any man be overtaken in a fall. The word overtaken is pro labano. It means to be captured by surprise. I didn't intend for this to happen. I never intended for, for me to goof up. People with problems in the church, you need to pay very close attention to me because sometimes people will come here and then you won't see them here. And of course, there's a lot of people traveling and, you, and, and everybody said, well, pastor, he pulled out the big old nightstick and he's worked him over. Nay, nay, that's not the truth. I'm going to do it biblically. If any man be overtaken and fall, it means something happened that you never intended for happen. That's the word overtaken in a fault. And the word fall is where we get a word called peripatoma, and it means a moral misconduct. I never intended for it to happen. I was sitting in the church, and, and it happened. You that are spiritual. See the word spiritual? It's a small s. In the King James, anytime you see a capital S, it means the Holy Spirit. Well, I got news for you. You are not the Holy Spirit. Just run you some bathtub tub water and see if you can walk on it. Get back with me on that. If you sink, you're, you're, you're small s. It means spirit-minded. You that are spirit-minded, you that are seasoned in the spirit of God, you that have went through some things, that brethren. We're not talking about judging someone and executing them in the backyard. I'm telling you, if someone, if something happens to someone that they never intended for it to happen, but it happened, they had some type of a moral failure, a misconduct of, of, of management in their life, you that are seasoned in the spirit, restore that person. The word restore is caterizzo. It means to reset a broken bone. Now, here's the deal. It's a medical term. I'm not a doctor, but I played golf with one. The word caterizzo means this. When a bone is broken, you cannot heal that bone. All you can do is put the bone in the right environment. And then you cast it. And the bone will heal itself. So if, is anybody here besides Virgil Gaither ever goofed up? And Virgil come in here, I'm, I'm picking on him, but I mean, something happened. He sold his Harley and bought a Honda. I don't know what he was thinking, but he did. <laughs> and now then, I mean, I mean, he's messed up. I didn't mean for it to happen. Mark, don't worry about that. It's, it's leaking. Just said somewhere else. Just let it leak. Is it leaking? Yeah, let it, just let it go. Ain't nothing you can do about it. Just sit down. You're bothering me. <laughs> don't worry about it. The tissues will matter. Yeah, move somewhere else. Get some shampoo. Wash your hair. It don't matter. Let the thing leak on you. So Virgil comes to church. I said, what's wrong? Well, me and Gina got in a fight. I said, well, that's, that's every day. What's wrong now? 
And so the idea when something happens, I said, well, come here. This is going to sting a little bit, but come here. I'm going to get you back in place. Was you hateful? I don't want to talk about it. Well, we're going to talk about it. Did you say things that you shouldn't have said? I don't want to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. You know why? Because if I don't address it, he'll grow crooked the rest of his life. Don't be quick just to walk out of church when you get your feelings hurt. Because when people walk out here in the gospel, you're teaching your children to walk out on their marriage, on their job, confronting the law enforcement. Whenever you get your feelings hurt, and maybe you get your feelings hurt, and maybe I'm not mad at you, all I'm trying to do is, has anybody ever had a bone pop back in place? Aaron McCoy, he can do this, I'm telling you, he's got muscle. Aaron, dis dislocate Mike Spell's finger and pop it back in place real quick. Bring him up here. <laughs> Popping that bone back in place, it's going to smart. But by doing so, you're restoring that person. Because you don't want them to continue to grow crooked. And the next thing you do is that once we get Chuck him back in place, we protect him. We put a cast around him. And, and Virgil's going to say, well, everybody's going to laugh at you. and say, anybody going to laugh at you? Not in front of you anyway. Ain't nobody going to laugh at you. We love you here. We're going to protect you. You made a mistake. You didn't mean for it to happen. It happened. And now then, we're not going to let you go around crooked where your whole marriage is crooked, your relationship is crooked, the way you treat other people is crooked. We're not going to allow that to happen. Let's get you back in the proper place and put a cast on you, and we're going to protect you. And he says, I do that to him with the spirit of meekness, prehotus, it means, because I'm not above what you just encountered. You're not above it. Don't ever say, I would never do that. You'll eat those words. Oh, I would never lose my cool. Don't ever say that. I would never get my feelings in church and walk out. Don't ever say that. You just told your enemy what you was going to do, and he said, I'll prove you wrong. We are a group of people that love God but we have problems. We just have problems. But when you do have a problem, allow, uh, allow me as a minister of this church to help you reset you. And even though that you made a horrible mistake, help us to reset you in a right environment where you can grow straight and then we're going to cast love and affection and protection around you that when your bones grow back together, you'll be good as new. And you can go back loving and helping other people without dislocated bones. That's our responsibility. That is the law of Christ. So don't ever, when I help you and I try to serve you, I'm doing it with the spirit of prehotus or meekness, where we get a word for plastic, if you don't know that. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to teach you that I love you, but I'm doing it with, a, with an attitude of this. I'm not above what you just did. Because I could do the same thing. And number two, 
as we get ready to go? How do we deal with problem people? Problem people can be found. What would Jesus do with people with problems I just showed you? He reset you. He did the Pharisees this way. We got to go. But this is what he said. He said, you've heard this, but now then I'm telling you this. You've heard it said this way, but I'm telling you, if you even think about killing your brother, you're guilty. You know what he's doing? He's resetting a dislocated bone. I'm not telling you the bone is missing. I'm just telling you it's dislocated. Some of you here today, you're wincing and you're hurting because you've been dislocated. Somebody's done something to you. Someone says something to you, and it's dislocated you. And every step you take, you're wincing. The word offense in the medical term means a dislocated, broken bone in my foot. That's what the word offense means. Offended. And I don't care when you have a broken bone in your foot. I don't care if it's on carpet or on cotton balls. It hurts. It doesn't mean that you got a bone missing. I know that you're here. You're part of the body of Christ. I know that you're here, but the problem is some of you are dislocated. Something's happened to you. But you step into my office, into the Christ chiropractic method, and let me pop you back in place. It's going to sting a little bit, but you'll thank me later. I had a hip to go out years ago, and I got to go, but I went to a chiropractor. I was crawling around about two days. Really? Pull the hip out. You know what I did? I picked up a box of Cascade. Now, here's a guy that went state and shot put in weightlifting, worked in oil field for 9 or 10, 12 years. I used to be strong, but not anymore. I used to be strong, but not anymore. I reached down to pick up a ball of Cascade, and what God was telling me, he says, son, never do dishes again. I think that's what he's telling me. <laughs> and I, I always obey the Lord. <laughs> and I've never done a dish, and I have to. Reach down to pick it up. Knocked three vertebrae out. Knocked my hip out. I did. Gave it to you. I wind around, crawled around. I looked like a 200-pound baby Gerber baby crawling around. She said, you're going to the doctor. I said, I'm not going anywhere. She said, you're going. I got to drag you there. So I went. Went to Tony Lemons. He grabbed me like a big old bear grabbing me. He said, this way to me, he said, it's going to hurt for a second, but you'll thank me later. I said, that's what I, 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 I said. It hurts so bad, I may bust you in your jaw. I said, I can't stand you touch it. And he said, show me where it hurts. And before I knew it, he had, it looked like a WWF match going on. <laughs> he grabbed me, twisted me, and a second before my brain could say, it hurts, my brain said, ah, that feels better. Let me help you. We're all people with problems. But I'm here to love you. I'm here to restore you. And I want God to heal you, that your home and your marriages and your children and everything else will grow right. Now, problem people. What would Jesus do? Watch this. We've got to go in three minutes, I promise you. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. This is the words of Jesus. If your brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, you have gained a brother. So he said, if someone's hurt your feelings, go to him. Just go to him by yourself. Say, listen, I didn't appreciate the comment. Shut the door. 
And he said, if he hears you, you gain the brother. There's an old proverb that says this. If you try to correct a fool, he'll hate you. But if you correct a wise man, he'll appreciate you. But if he will not hear you, then take one or two with you in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he neglects to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglects to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Now, now, what would Jesus do with problem people in the church? And I know what you're going to say. Just say he'll love them. Tell them. That's not what he said. Everywhere you go, oh, Jesus will just love them. This is coming out of Jesus' own mouth. So look at the NLT version. It's a little bit better. The message is better. But if another person sins against you, go probably and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, then you won that person back. Yeah. Jesus said, but if you are unsuccessful, take one or two with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed. It means nobody's going to get the story twisted up by two or three witnesses. But if that person in the church still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. It means the leaders of the church. And if he or she will not accept the church's decision and discipline, treat that person as a pagan <laughs> or a corrupt tax collector. That's right up there with being a Texas Aggie fan, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to say OSU, but I can't say that because we have some sensitive people here about that. People with problems, you have to deal with them this way. They were overtaken in a fault, and they never meant for it to happen. They had good intentions. They were happy sitting in church, and then something happened, and it overtook them. Pro Lobano. And it began, it's like the proverbial snowball on a mountain. It starts this big. And by the time it gets to the base of the mountain, it's bigger than a brick building. And when they come to the church and they've been dislocated and they're hurting, my job scripturally as the law of Christ to do what Jesus does is this. Come here, let me help you. Let's get you reset. Let's get you back in place. Let me love you. Let me protect you. Let me tell the congregation he made a mistake. Don't you say one word against him. He run off the road. Don't bring it up. That's the law of Christ. But number two, problem people in the church are completely different. Now I turn to somebody and say, he's not talking about me because I'm here. Just so tell him. How are we supposed to handle that? as seasoned men of God, as the manifold grace of God, how are we supposed to do that? It's this, is, is, if people start bringing division in the church, whether it be false doctrine, hateful remarks, stirring up stink, whatever it is, and it happens in every church, it's happened in this church, and it'll happen again next week, I'm sure it will, especially for this section over here, it happens all the time, then our job is to speak to these people. If they won't hear, bring in witnesses with them, and they still won't hear. Bring them to the leadership of the church, and they all go, 
rain on you, then we treat them like pagans or corrupt tax collectors. And you say, well, that's pretty harsh. I didn't say that. My Savior said that. So what I'm telling you this morning is this, being a seasoned, thoroughly furnished man or woman of God, we cannot treat everyone's problems and sins the same. It's the attention, the intention of the crime that was committed. So, so if we have issues, and we do, do I have faults? I do. Have I hurt your feelings? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. You ought to put up with the music people I put up with. You'd know what I'm dealing with. I mean, I'm sorry. I should get up here every Sunday morning and say, sorry, I'm sorry. You come to me and you say, you know, I made the biggest fool of myself. Let's talk about it. I know your heart. You love God. You didn't mean it. Let's get you reset. And let's love you. And that's the law of Christ. So my objective here this morning to begin is that we're lonely, not because of the lack of affection. We're lonely because of the lack of direction. I'm here to give you direction this morning. Let God take the seasons of your life and let him fabricate this wonderful, manifold grace garment that you can wear, that you can relate to people wherever they are and love them and treat them the way that Christ himself would treat them. All right? Father, this morning, there's none like you. Thank you so much for the biblical principles. I, I appreciate books and articles and things that men have written, but I, I want to go straight to the source. I want to know what Jesus says. And we understand that there's problem people in the church. There's always been problem people in the church. There's been problem people in the Garden of Eden all through time that there was men and women's heart that was intentuous of bringing problems and creating adversities and struggles. And the Lord himself taught us how to handle that. That if they repent, we forgive them. And even a few verses later, Father, Simon Peter said, how often do we repent? Seven times 70 continually, as long as they repent. But I think the main issue this morning is that we're all people with problems and we've all made mistakes and we'll probably make mistakes. But let this church house be a sanctuary of not only seasoned saints, that we can love one another, we can reset broken bones, we can cast and protect the injured until the day they become fully whole and they can go out and change their world. Father, for every one of us this morning that we have, we are going through something now. We've experienced divorce and death and we've experienced betrayal. We, we've experienced betrayal of our best friends and but you brought it to us as a part of the fabric of the manifold grace of God that we could wear to display the wisdom of God wherever we go. Help us. Forgive us of our sins this morning, Father. All we want to do is glorify you. And we pray for those that are traveling today. We pray for, for traveling mercies. 
Thank you for my grandson, Buzz. We're going to pour our lives into this newborn baby. Father, his grandmother and I, we're going to pour into him the principles of the love of God and the grace of God. I promise to sow into this newborn child integrity respect, honesty. He brought him to us at six o'clock yesterday evening that we can watch over him, that you can perform your work in his life. And he will be a thoroughly furnished man of God because he's gonna be surrounded not only by me and his grandmother, but people in his church that are spiritually seasoned with the giftings of God's grace. Thank you for that. Happy days are yet to come. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. And all the people of God say amen. amen. Give the Lord a praise offering this morning if you would please. God is good. Stand with me this morning. Give somebody a hug. Say, listen, you're not a problem. Well, convince them of that, huh? God is good. Listen, communion service come. If you made a mistake, you're welcome here. The sign that was on my chiropractor's billboard was this, crawl-ins welcome. Some of you are dislocated. Some of you have been injured. I understand. Come on in. Crawl in here. We're going to help you. We're going to love you. We're going to watch over you. We're going to make sure you get well. The unkind words and gossip will never penetrate and hurt you. That's my promise to you. That night, Jesus sat with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup and he said, this body represents my body that was broken for you. He took the cup, the third cup, the cup of redemption, and he said, this, this cup represents my blood that was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. The manifold grace of God we will learn in a week or two is speaking of Holy Communion something God allows us to touch and to taste that will remind us of his love for us. Father, bless this cup, bless this bread as we continue to be spirit men and women of God in Christ's name. And all the people of God say amen.